0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right, by applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist, Leah Brenda Smith.
1: Hello, I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith, and you are listening to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety and broadcast simultaneously on Project Freedom Radio Network. So today's topic is the power of prayer. And just before we delve into that, if you're looking for me on the net, you can find me at leahbrendasmith.com. On Facebook, you can find me at leahbrendasmith.com or the radio show page, which is Come Back to Your Senses Radio. And the podcasts are available 24-7, so you can listen anytime. And it just reminds me, I've had some great feedback from people about how for some people they're listening to the show when they're having trouble sleeping and they're finding just the information and the gentleness of the energy that the show is providing for them just helps them to relax and go off to sleep. So uh, no one's offended if you fall asleep while you're using the radio show to get into a deep state of relaxation just as a suggestion. Some people are listening while they're at the gym, and uh, well, you know how you're listening. So listen to this, the power of prayer, the power of prayer. It's a a big subject, a big topic, and I'm going to try to bring some approaches that maybe people aren't as familiar with. Um, We are certainly in our North American culture very familiar with the Judeo-Christian sort of forms and approaches to prayer and to religion, and I'm going to maybe take a slightly different uh, perspective on things today. You know, many scholars and theologians and writers talk about prayer as a doorway to the divine, and that's pretty well true all across the world. Some think of it as a lifeline to the heavens, a direct link to the Creator, a conversation with God, a listening to the cosmic voice. And inherent in prayer is a common theme of change. Many look for the change in the outside world as indication that a prayer has not only been heard, but has been answered, or granted, as the term is often used. Yet a deeper level, the power of prayer can be seen as the transformation that occurs in the person that is praying, To be a prayerful person is to be mindful and to be a person of substance and virtue and to be self-aware, self-reflective. And at another level, to take responsibility for your thoughts, speech, and actions. To take ownership of your interactions with others and to honor the gifts of the divine that reside within you. For some people, life is a living prayer. It's a way of approaching life, knowing that every thought, word, and deed contributes to the overall energy of the world. And in that way, we're always making a contribution. We're contributing whatever energy is going on within us. So inspired from this awareness is a natural mindfulness that can encourage an individual to commune with higher aspects of the self and to allow compassion towards the self to be like the training wheels that we need in order to rise above the lower levels of our personality and ego-driven sensations and desires. You know, that prayer is even an option in life, that in itself is a great blessing. That there's such a thing as universal laws and principles is one of the greatest blessings. And that there's always an opportunity. This gives us the opportunity to hold a larger perspective on any of life's smaller details. Prayer comes together as a collective consciousness in the heart, minds, and souls of humanity. Now certainly there are prayers that have been in existence for thousands of years. You know, the same repetitive prayers from all the religious traditions from around the world that are sung from the heart and soul on a daily basis— Day by day, O dear Lord, three things I pray. To see Thee more clearly, love Thee more dearly, follow Thee more nearly, day by day. There's such beauty and simplicity and power in these three simple phrases. In the prayerful song that was written by Stephen Schwartz for the Broadway play and later the film Godspell, which some of you may be familiar with. But its refrain follows a prayer that's ascribed to the 13th century English bishop, St. Richard of Cheshire. And in his prayer, it says, May I know thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee more nearly. So those, those three simple phrases, and day by day, and the way that that can elevate and lift your energy and lift your energy, tune your vibration to higher and higher feelings of love and compassion and The willingness to follow Thee more dearly, see Thee more clearly, day by day. And prayers like these seem to be written on the soul of humanity. You know, in my own life, I have an example. Since I was a young child, I have had a constant prayer of peace in my inner world. And like all living organisms, always looking for homeostasis, always looking to be returned to a state of oneness, a state of harmony, a state of peaceful, peaceful cohabitance within the whole. And I know just as I have had that prayer in my heart and on my soul that many other people have also. Can you imagine 7 billion people, 7 billion prayers, at the deepest level, of all things, were all created from the same source of life? You know, perhaps in ways this is the greatest test and the greatest testimony to the will of humanity, the power of prayer. And though some may see prayer as a, a cop-out, others see prayer as an alignment with truth. And the opportunity to come into an alignment with their true nature. Prayer. A communing within. It's the way that you, that you bring yourself to prayer that activates the energy of the prayer. Not simply reciting the verses and phrases. But the way that you bring yourself to the prayer. Prayer can be the song of your heart, the innate inclination of your soul, your innermost desires for the highest good for all. Now, Marianne Williamson, she's a best-selling author and teacher of a course in miracles, and she suggests that prayer is the act of tuning one's tuning oneself into a vehicle for the divine. And there are many different prayer and meditation techniques, and they're all paths to God. So it doesn't really matter which path we walk to him, but only that we walk it in whatever way suits you. Talk to God. Marianne suggests that our greatest weakness is the weakness of an undisciplined mind. And most of us wouldn't think of beginning our day without washing the accumulated dirt from the day before off of our bodies. Yet far too often, there we go, out into our day without similarly cleansing our minds. And clearly our minds carry more pollutants than our bodies because they carry not only our own, if you like, toxicity or negativity or our undesirable thinking our troubled thoughts, that they carry the thoughts of the entire world. We carry the fear, anxiety, and stress, and pain, not just of our own lives, but of our families, our nations, and millions all over the planet. So here's a prayer that Marianne suggests. She says, Dear God, I give you this morning. Please take away... My despair of yesterday. Help me to forgive the things that caused me pain and would keep me bound. Help me to begin again. Please bless my path and illumine my mind. I surrender to you the day ahead. Please bless every person and situation I will encounter. Make me who you would have me be, that I might do as you would have me do. Please enter my heart and remove all anger, fear and pain. Renew my soul and free my spirit. Thank you, God, for this day. Amen. Prayer is an invocation or an act that seeks to activate a rapport with a deity or an object of worship or a spiritual entity through deliberate communication. And prayer can be a form of religious practice, and it could be individual or communal can take place in public or in private. It may involve the use of words or song. And when language is used, prayer may take the form of a hymn, an incantation, a formal creed, or at times a spontaneous utterance in the praying person. There are different forms of prayer, such as the petitionary prayer, prayers of supplication, of thanksgiving, prayers of worship and praise, and pray may you know prayer may be directed towards a deity, a spirit, a deceased deceased person, or a lofty idea for the purpose of worshipping, requesting guidance, requesting assistance, confessing sins, or to express one's thoughts and emotions. You know clearly people pray for many reasons and sometimes the reasons are for personal benefit and other times it's for the sake of other people or a group of people or people pray for the whole world. And most major religions involve prayer in one way or another. You know some ritualize the act of prayer, requiring a strict sequence of actions or placing restrictions on who is permitted to pray what time to pray, how to pray, and use prescribed prayers, while others teach that prayer may be practiced spontaneously by anyone at any time. And various spiritual traditions offer a wide range of devotional acts. There are morning and evening prayers, graces set over meals, and reverent physical gestures. Some Christians bow their heads and fold their hands. Some Native Americans regard dancing as a form of prayer. Some Sufis whirl the whirling dervish. Hindus chant mantras. Jewish prayer may involve swaying back and forth and bowing. Muslims practice salah, kneeling and prostration in their prayers. Quakers keep silent, and some pray according to standardized rituals and liturgies, while others prefer spontaneous prayers, and yet others prefer to combine the two. But for the major religions like Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, prayer is more focused on something outside of the self. So they pray to God. Yet the more mystical traditions of these religions like gnosticism kabbalism and sufism they're more focused on the inner self aspect of prayer believing that we all have a divinity inside of us and then there are the eastern traditions like buddhism and hinduism which focus on meditation rather than prayer and frederick Taylor is recognized for compiling one of the most comprehensive Christian studies into the phenomenology of prayer. And his, uh, typology, he poses six types of prayer. He says primitive, ritual, Greek cultural, philosophical, mystical, and prophetic. And there's a kind of progression in that from the man-centered to God-centered prayer. But in more recent years, people have the feeling that he should really include a seventh type of prayer and that they're suggesting that the first be the kind of secular spirituality, which is certainly becoming more and more popular for, I guess it's kind of uh like... Um, appealed to people that were not necessarily or not naturally inclined towards religiosity and a religious type of formal prayer. But clearly, most people are mystified by prayer. And what prayer is, and how to pray, and what do you say, and many of the great renowned theologians wrote about prayer, addressing those questions and many other questions. And one man in particular, an Italian theologian, Thomas Aquinas. He's from 1975. I'm sorry, 1275 to 12, so, 1225 to 1274. He wrote at a time when no one really questioned anything about the existence of God, and everybody took their understanding of God directly from the scriptural interpretations. And so the questions were really put aside. So there wasn't really much that was said about prayer. Yet Thomas Aquinas, he gives us some precious jewels, things to think about. There's things in his writings. And clearly he's a man of another century, so the language in his words are different the essence of his wisdom, but here's one of, one of the things that he said. He said, prayer is but the unfolding of our desires. But our desires are holy in proportion as they are confined to one thing in accordance with those words of the psalmist. One thing I have asked of the Lord. This will I seek after whence it would seem to follow that our prayers are acceptable to God just in proportion to their brevity. In other words, the length of time is not the important factor, but clear intent and focus of the heart is what's important. But to prolong our prayer does not mean that we ask for many things, but that our hearts are continuously set upon one object for which we yearn. And that's really the essence, the gem of what he's talking about. You must live in harmony and in union with your prayers. It's foolish to pray for health and then sabotage your health by your choice to eat what you know doesn't, when you choose to eat what you know does harm to your body or by avoiding exercise. And prayer and the intervention of heaven will not compensate for conscious choices that counteract what your prayers are seeking. It's foolish to pray for healing of a relationship while being unforgiving in your heart. Prayer and the grace of heaven will not compensate for actions generated by a wrathful heart. You must live, think, act, and dwell in harmony with that for which you are praying. And in that way, you become, you become congruent. You become a congruent vessel to receive the grace that you are requesting. Now, One scientific movement attempts to track the physical effects of prayer through neuroscience. And a leader in this movement, one of the leaders is Andrew Newberg, an associate professor at the University of Pennsylvania. And in Newberg's brain scans, monks, priests, nuns, and gurus, he has found that they have exceptionally focused attention and compassion. And this shows up on their brain scan. And he says that it's a result of the frontal lobe of the brain being engaged. Now Newberg believes that anybody can connect to super, to the supernatural with practice. And those without religious affiliation benefit from the concentration. They benefit from the connection to the metaphysical as well. And Newberg, he also states that there's further evidence towards humans' need for metaphysical relationships, is that as science has increased, spirituality has not decreased. And he believes that at the end of the 18th century, when the scientific method began to consume the human mind, religion could have vanished. However, 200 years later, the perception of spirituality in many instances, appears to be gaining in strength. And his research also provides the connection between prayer and meditation and health. By understanding how the brain works during the religious experiences and practices, Newberg's research shows that the brain changes during these practices, allowing an understanding of how religion affects psychological and physical health. For example, brain activity during meditation indicates the people who frequently practice prayer or meditation experience lower blood pressure, lower heart rates, decreased anxiety, and decreased depression. There's a video um, that's been shown on a show called Through the Wormhole, and it was narrated by Morgan Friedman, and it's on the Science Channel. And in that video, Dr. Newberg explains that to study the effects of meditation and prayer on the brain, he injects his subjects with a harmless radioactive dye while they're deep in prayer, and the dye migrates to the parts of the brain where the blood flow is the strongest, which indicates the part of the brain. That is most active at the time. The test compares the brain activity at rest while the subject is in deep prayer. And in this study, increased activity is observed in the frontal lobes and in the language area of the brain. This is the part of the brain that activates during conversations. And Newberg believes that for the brain, Praying to God in the Judeo-Christian tradition is similar to talking to people. When we study Buddhist meditation, he says, where they are visualing something, then we might expect to see a change of increased activity in the visual part of the brain. And then while observing atheist meditating or contemplating God, Dr. Newberg did not observe any of the brain activity in the frontal lobe that he observed in religious people. So, Dr. Newberg concluded that all religions create neurological experiences. And while God is unimaginable for atheists, for religious people, God is as real as the physical world. This helps us to understand that at least when religious people are describing their experiences to us that they're really having this kind of experience. This experience is at least neurologically real and can be tested. Now someone once noted that prayer requires more of the heart than of the tongue. Knowing that someone is standing before God on your behalf is powerful. Not because they're standing with you, but because they are standing with God. And here's another prayer. It's a prayer, the prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. So if you are doing a personal or an individualistic prayer, focus and work on connecting to your higher self rather than functioning from your ego. And that prayer, the prayer of St. Francis, is a good example of that. Focusing on the highest self, surrendering. Be clear with your intentions and why you are praying. And in addition, you could set specific time and a safe and clean place that makes you feel good and helps you concentrate. Self-discipline is certainly an important part. Some people find that they can use their prayer time to process their emotions. Other people do it while they're journaling. But you want to do your prayers in a place where you feel secure and you can cry and let go of anger or tears or sadness. You can release stress and tension and let go of your unspoken words. Just say what's on your mind. Process and release the negative focus on the positive, and feel a sense of appreciation for the things that you have and maybe have been taking for granted. And at the same time, during prayer, you can practice compassion and feeling connected, connected to the source of creation. At the end of prayer, prayer, meditation, are like everything else in life. When we use use these tools with knowledge, awareness, and the right intention, then we can receive great benefit. They are positive. If they help you to have more focus, more motivation to find deeper meaning, encourage you to become more moral, patient, tolerant, accountable, responsible, objective. Rational, to become more loving and inclusive of others. Larry Dosey, MD from Santa Fe, New Mexico, speaks about doing his residency at Parkland Memorial Hospital in Dallas, Texas. And that's where he treated his first patient with terminal cancer. And the cancer had spread through both lungs, And Dossie advised him what therapy was available and what little good he thought it would do. And the patient chose to forego the treatment. But whenever Dossie stopped by his hospital, bedside, the patient was surrounded by visitors from his church, singing and praying. Good thing Dossie thought when he heard them, because soon they'll be singing and praying at his funeral. A year later, when Dossie was working at another hospital, a colleague at Parkland called him to ask him if he wanted to see his old patient. And Dossie couldn't believe. He couldn't believe that his patient was still alive. At the hospital, he studied the chest x-ray and he was stunned. The man's lungs were completely clear. There was no sign of cancer. His therapy has been remarkable said the radiologist who was looking over his shoulder. And of course, Dossie thought therapy. There wasn't any, unless you consider prayer. And he told two of his medical school professors what had happened, and neither of them was willing to acknowledge the man's miraculous healing. That was a natural course of the disease, one said. And the other professor, he just shrugged. He said, well, well, we see this, he said. We see this from time to time. But Dossie himself had long given up the faith of his childhood, and now he believed in the power of modern medicine. Prayer really seemed an arbitrary thing for him, and so he just put the incident right out of his mind. But then a year later, he became chief of staff at a large urban hospital, and he was aware that many of his patients used prayer. But he himself, he put little trust in it. And then one day in the late 80s, he came across a study done by Randolph Bird, a cardiologist at San Francisco General Hospital. So half of a group of cardiac patients were prayed for, and half were not. Those who were did better in a significant number of ways. And he could not, he just could not ignore the evidence. And the study was designed according to rigid criteria. It was a randomized, double-blind experiment. So neither the patients, the nurses, or the doctors knew which group of patients were in the study and which ones weren't. They didn't know who was being prayed for. Now, if the technique being studied had been a new drug or a new surgical procedure instead of prayer, it would have been heralded as, you know, some sort of a breakthrough. But this study inspired Dossie to look for others, and to his amazement, he found an enormous body of evidence, more than a 100 experiments exhibiting the criteria of good science. Many were conducted under stringent laboratory conditions, about half showed that prayer brings about significant changes in a variety of living beings, and scientists, including physicians, they can have blind spots. But the power of prayer seemed to be one of them. And Dawsey has since given up practicing medicine and devotes himself to writing and to doing research about prayer and how it affects our health. And I'm just going to go through some of his findings. He says that the power of prayer doesn't diminish with distance. Prayer is as effective from one side of the world as it is if you're doing it next door or at the bedside. And researcher William G. Broad pointed out that the operating characteristics of the remote influence are not a function of the distance, not a function of space, time, and distance. It's not influenced, importantly, by physical barriers. And Dossi also uh, said that prayer can be continuous. You know, when he was a child, he was puzzled by the advice to prayer without ceasing. He would fight sleep as he said his prayers in bed, and eventually sleep would overtake him, and he felt as though he had failed. And then he came to understand how prayers might continue in his subconscious. In the 14th century, Saint Peregrine, still a young priest, was scheduled for amputation of his leg because of cancer. But the night before the surgery, he prayed fervently and dreamed that he was cured. And on awakening, his dream had become reality. He lived to be 80 and died in 1345 without any further evidence of cancer. So an attitude of prayerfulness can exist even during sleep. As Isaac the Syrian stated, when the spirit has come to reside in someone, that person cannot stop praying. For the Spirit prays without ceasing in him. And then Dossie's third finding was that there is no one right way to address God. He said that he attended a seminar given by a well-known authority on prayer, and a man in the audience boldly asked, Doctor, Doctor, how should I pray? And the expert replied, Ask God it seems that there's more than one best way to pray. For instance, in the coronary care experiment that so impressed Dossie, both Protestants and Catholics were simply told to pray, not how to pray. And when Herbert Benson of Harvard Medical School studied the health benefits of prayer and meditation, he found that there was no difference in the effectiveness of Catholics using Hail Mary or Jews using the peace greeting Shalom, or Protestants who said the first line of the Lord's Prayer. The only contrast that could be made was that those who meditated on simple phrases, instead of prayers with personal meaning to them, they eventually gave up. And then he says that relinquishing prayers work best. In our prayers, it's tempting to dictate to the Almighty. But sometimes we simply don't know what to pray for. Suppose we want to control our physiology in a way that promotes healing of a particular health problem. Should we pray for an increase or a decrease of blood flow and to what specific organ? For an increase or a decrease in a specific type of blood cell? Or what is the best in the long run for everyone involved? Now, these questions can be bewildering. Unfortunately, research suggests that non-specific prayer, the Mm -hmm. thy will be done approach, works as well as or even better than when we specify the outcome. And then love added to prayer increases its power one survey of 10,000 men with heart disease found a 50% reduction in the frequency of chest pain of angina in married men who perceived that their wives were supportive and loving. And as faith healer Agnes Stanford wrote, when we pray in accordance with the will of God, empathy, compassion, and love seem to form a literal bond between living things. So for his example a young boy found a wounded pigeon in his backyard. He nursed the bird back to health and gave it an identification tag. The next winter, the boy suddenly became ill and was rushed to a hospital 200 miles away. While he was recovering from surgery, he heard tapping, tap, tap, tapping on the window. The boy summoned a nurse and asked her to open it And in flew the same bird. Pigeons are known for their homing ability. But this bird was traveling to a place that it had never been before. But love had drawn it there. Love had drawn the pigeon to the young boy. And then Dossie says that prayer is outside of time and shares the story that a man diagnosed as having colon cancer asked his minister to pray for his recovery. He was not a religious man and never prayed for himself. He was a very private person. He told no one else about his diagnosis. Yet when he returned to his physician later that same week, follow-up studies showed complete disappearance of the cancer. But when the dates of the diagnosis... The initial prayer request, the minister's prayer, and the disappearance of the cancer were compared. It was apparent that the cancer had actually disappeared before the minister had actually prayed for the man. Can a prayer be answered before it is made? Well, it certainly seems possible. And it's referenced in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And then Dossie says, prayer is a reminder that we are not alone. One of Dossie's patients was dying from lung cancer. And the day before his death, Dossie sat at his bedside with his wife and his children. He knew he had little time left and He chose his words carefully, speaking in a hoarse whisper, and although not normally a praying person, he revealed that recently he had begun to pray fervently. But what you pray for? Dossie asked him. I don't pray for anything, he responded. How would I know what to ask for? And Dossie was so surprised by the man's response, thinking that surely the dying man could think of some request. But Dossie continued to question the man. If prayer is not for asking, what is it for? And the man replied, it isn't for anything, he said. It mainly reminds me that I am not alone. And Dossie's final submission he says that prayer is like that. It's a reminder of our unbounded nature, of that part of us that is infinite in space and time. It's the universe's affirmation that we are not alone. Now, Carolyn Mace has written and lectured and taught about the prayer for many years. And she says there comes a point in our lives when we are called to prayer. We are called to pray. When we see that our rational minds cannot make sense of the mystery of life, and we realize that we need another way, a prayer can offer new insights into our spiritual journey and give you the opportunity to welcome grace into your life that can guide you and that can protect you and one of caroline's students asked her what's the purpose of prayer and she responded with an explanation of three distinctly different layers or levels of prayer she says we mature into the manner in which we pray most begin their prayer life as uh, stuffologists god give me stuff god is manifested through stuff And along with that are prayers that people say in which they request that God grant them what they want. Please let my business succeed. Please let me have this or please give me that. And this can be seen as a ground level prayer, which is like saying, I will believe in you if you give me this and do what I want. And it goes without saying that people who pray in this manner are disappointed and we don't have what it takes to command the cosmos or to bargain, she says. Can you imagine what life would be like if everybody got what they wanted? Given the nature of the species, everybody would want the planet and all its power to <laughs> revolve around them. So much for the sun, she says. But the next level of prayer is directed towards guiding your inner life. You know, people will naturally evolve whether they like it or not to a place where they have to begin to approach life from within their own being. Introspection and self-examination become the priorities, and prayers mature to requests for directives to understand the nature of one's soul. Now that maturation process automatically challenges the demands of the ego which shall always desire to to control, to control the world. No, your inherent polarity of spirit is to release the world. Yet the ego is always trying to control the world. And then finally, the most mature level of prayer, she says, is transcendent prayer without requests. Prayer without requests. To enter into a state beyond request beyond needs or demands, a state in which you dwell, even for a moment, in the single perception that all needs are met. You are where you should be. Guidance pours at all times. A prayer of power is beyond words, where dialogue is unnecessary. The mystics dwell in a sensation of divine intimacy that is created from within. And then, just wanted to read some excerpts from actually uh, the president of the United States on uh, 2011, the National Day of Prayer, his proclamation. And President Obama says that throughout our history, Americans have turned to prayer for strength, inspiration, and solidarity. Prayer has played an important role in American history and in shaping our nation's leaders. President Abraham Lincoln once said, I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all of me seemed insufficient for the day. The late uh, Coretta Scott King recounted a particularly difficult night during the Montgomery bus boycott when her husband, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., received a threatening phone call and prayed at the kitchen table, saying, Lord... I have nothing left. I have nothing left. I have come to the point where I can't face it alone." Dr. King said in that moment of prayer, he was filled with a sense of comfort and resolve, which his wife credited as a turning point in this civil rights movement. And President Obama goes on to say, it is thus fitting that from the earliest years of our country's history, Congress and Presidents have set aside days to recognize the role prayer has played in so many definitive moments in our history. On this National Day of Prayer, let us follow the example of President Lincoln and Dr. King. Let us be thankful for the liberty that allows people of all faiths to worship or not worship according to the dictates of their conscience. And let us be thankful for the many other freedoms and blessings that we often take for granted. And here's a little excerpt from his speech on the National Day of Prayer, 2012. He says, Prayer has always been a part of the American story, and today countless Americans rely on prayer for comfort, direction and strength, praying not only for themselves but for their communities, their country, and the world. On this National Day of Prayer, we give thanks for our democracy that respects the beliefs and protects the religious freedoms of all people to pray, worship, or abstain according to their dictates of their conscience. Let us pray for all the citizens of our great nation, particularly those who are sick, mourning, or without hope, and ask God for the sustenance to meet the challenges we face as a nation. Maybe we embrace the responsibility we have to each other and rely on the better angels of our nature in service to one another. Let us be humble in our convictions and contagious in our virtue. Let us pray for those who are suffering around the world. And let us be open to opportunities to ease that suffering. To ease that suffering. Now, Sri Daya Mata is president of the Self-Realization Fellowship of Los Angeles, which disseminates the teachings of Yogananda. And she says that thought is a force, it has immense power. And that is why I believe so deeply in worldwide prayer circle that Yogananda began. I hope you are involved with it. When people send forth concentrated, positive thoughts of peace, love, goodwill, forgiveness, as in the healing techniques used by the Worldwide Prayer Circle, this generates a great power. If the masses were to do this, it would set up a vibration of goodness that would be powerful enough to change the world. You know, some people regard prayer as a vague and ineffective exercise in wishful thinking. The ordinary person resorts to prayer only when in dire trouble and when... All other options have failed, but Yogananda taught that true prayer is scientific, being based on precise laws that govern all creation, and is a daily necessity for harmonious living. He explained that our physical bodies and the material world we live in are condensations of invisible patterns of energy. That energy, in turn, is an expression of finer blueprints of thought, and the subtlest vibration, which governs all manifestations of energy and matter. The whole of creation was brought into being by God first in thought, or idea form, and then the divine consciousness willed those thought patterns to condense into light and energy. And finally, into the denser vibrations of matter that make up the physical world. So as human beings made in the image of God, we are different from the lower forms of creation. We have the freedom to use, to use these same powers of thought and energy. By the thoughts we habitually entertain and act upon, we create the circumstances in which our lives unfold. So scientific prayer is based on understanding of this truth and on the application of the universal forces of creation. It tunes in with God's thought patterns of health and harmony and perfection, and then uses willpower to channel energy to help materialize those patterns. You know, we think that prayer, prayer for many, we have this image of getting down on our knees, you know, or, or clasping our hands together. But fear, prayer really can take on any kind of form. There's many things that you can do that, where you are in a state of being prayerful or being mindful, that don't have anything to do with going to church or synagogue or uh, some other form of temple. You know, and, and what makes something a prayer is really its ability to carry what we're trying to say to a deep level. And we don't always do that through voice. You know, Deborah King, a best-selling author and teacher, gives us some ideas of ways that we can better voice our deepest thoughts and prayers and connect to the source while we're doing that. Things like reading, reading a, or writing a poem. Getting in touch with your artistic inner self, listening or creating music, moving yourself into a place of prayer, prayer through movement, and even visiting a calm place and being out in nature. You know, and she suggests, she says, try not to think of prayer as rigid, as rule-based, or as a religious obligation. Instead, to look at prayer in its most organic and creative light, through poetry, music, dance, and nature. Prayer is a powerful and beautiful tool that can help you achieve your highest consciousness and enlighten your soul. And everyone should feel invited to participate in prayer. And Neil Donald Walsh, the author of Conversations with God, the book, a series of books, he encourages us to realize that we are all having conversations with God all of the time. And we are all receiving messages all of the time. The three basic things he says is that we are not alone. There is enough. And there is nothing that we have to do. You know, Walsh encourages us to realize that we all want the same things. You know, we all want peace and happiness. We want love and understanding. We want these things. We want prosperity. And through the knowing and embracing of these simple ideas, that all of what we wish for is attainable. So just as a closing, closing prayer from Yogananda, he says, Let us pray in our hearts for a league of souls and a united world. Though we may seem divided by race, creed, color, class, and political prejudices, still, as children of the one God, we are able in our souls to feel brotherhood and world unity. May we work for the creation of a united world, in which every nation will be a useful part, guided by God through man's enlightened conscience. In our hearts, we can all learn to be free from hate and selfishness. Let us pray for harmony amongst the nations, that they march hand in hand through the gate of a fair new civilization. Yogananda. Hmm. I thank you for tuning in to come back to Your Senses Radio. I am your ever-grateful host, Leah Brenda Smith, and I hope you've picked up some tips today that you can apply and grow your own prayer life, develop your own prayer life. And until next time, I encourage you to relax and enjoy life. We
0: hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.